Well, hello everyone, and uh, welcome back to another episode of ADD Moto Live number 30, Major Newbage in Alaska. That's right, what happens when six strangers, all relatively new to the adventure world, meet up to tackle the great roads of Alaska on Himalayans? Is it a recipe for disaster or a chance to build lifelong bonds? All that tonight's ADD Moto Live number 30. We've got a really awesome special show tonight. You can kind of see everyone queued up there in the background. A few weeks ago, I had the great opportunity to not only test drive the updated 2022 Royal Enfield Himalayan, but also meet some of the community's amazing spectrum of Himalayan riders. Conducting all of this is one of the most passionate brand leaders who took a motley crew of grassroots riders into the wilds of Alaska for a ride that is really to remember. Having met everyone in person, it was clear to me that everyone had not only been challenged and changed, or everyone had been challenged and changed in a ways that really only ADV can provide. We'll hear all the details in a moment, but for now, everyone, please welcome Bree Poland, Jesse Kimball, Ken Morse, Sylvia Grandstaff, and Chris Steele. You guys get mad. You guys get the extended applaud track. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Excellent evening. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. This is uh, pretty good. Can you guys give us a breakdown where you're all from? Bri, you want to kick off? Yeah. Well, I'm from all over the U.S., but I currently reside in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, because that is where Royal Enfield North America's headquarters is. Right on, right on. Yeah. Island from Milwaukee. The cold frozen uh, tundra. It looks like Sylvia and... Sylvia, do you want to answer next? Yeah, so I, I grew up in Texas, but in the last two weeks, just moved to uh, Southern California into Hatchapi. So kind of went from the humid south to the mountainous wilds of California where it's currently snowing. Oh, wow. Awesome. 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 Yeah, we were just talking before this, and you said you just got a new place. And it's got did. Uh, yep. quite a view. Pretty that's, spectacular. That's, awesome. that's cool. You said it was up on top of a mountain or something like that? Yep, we're on a 5,000-foot mountaintop. Nice. Doesn't suck. Nice. That is how you do it. All right, uh, Jesse. Some of you guys may remember Jesse. He was on uh, our last episode. As a matter of fact, if you guys would like to see Jesse back on more episodes, leave a comment. I think it'd be cool to work more with Jesse. Yeah. Jesse, you want to give another brief introduction? Yeah. My name is Jesse Kimball. I live and work between Temecula, California, which is Southern California, and Virgin, Utah, which is just outside of St. George, kind of close to Zion National Park. And currently working, currently sitting at a garage in, or at my garage in Temecula, California. Right on. Man's got a little, garages. a little further south and a little bit warmer than where Sylvia sits right now. Okay. So you, you guys are in the same geographic hood. Not too bad, Chris. I don't know, five miles as the crow flies from Bree here in Milwaukee. And it's cold here too. Just going to leave it with that. Oh, look, there's Bree's stand. Right on. Hey, does he want to say hello? He should. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, Poppy. I loved it so much in the cold, I came back up to Wisconsin. Just couldn't wait. <laughs> Good seeing you. Yeah, it's nice seeing you guys, too. Awesome. All right, take care. Thank you. It's a family affair over here. And Ken? Yeah, I, I live in Northern California, a small town off the Interstate 80 called uh, Colfax. We just got six inches of snow yesterday, so it's... Uh, Wow. No, I want to say equally cold. They're really in the Great White North up there. But uh, I lived down in Temecula for a bit, which is how I ran into Jesse. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Now I've got stickers named after me and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't have I got one on Daniel. <laughs> right on. Right on. Right on. So if you got six inches of snow, you must be fairly high up. We're at about 2,500 foot here. But uh, being in the Sierra Nevada, 2,500 foot is is definitely high enough to get snow. So we're, we were almost got a few more inches last night, but it warmed up uh, a few degrees and it all turned to rain. Oh, okay. Right on, right on. Well, I mean, on the topic of the show, I don't know if anyone hasn't watched it yet. You know, there is a link in the description. I think it's what the video is 11 minutes. Is that right? It's about 10, 11 minutes of the video that recaps everyone's crazy adventures in, in Alaska. You know, and this was a pretty amazing project. I, I guess you guys trucked, you know, a bunch of bikes up there, you know, but really briefly, could I get you guys to describe what your background is in adventure? 
riding? You know, like how much of it had you done before the trip? Oh, I should start. Sure. This much. <laughs> zero, none, zero. nil, nada. Almost zero dirt, let alone off-road. Uh, so while somebody else might be the newbage persona that's on this call, <laughs> I feel like I was really the newbie, even though I have more gray hair than perhaps anybody but Bree's dad. And I came to the Himalayan and because I ran into the right lady at the right time because she was working to put this thing out to the public in the States and I happened to live in the right town. And I got to meet Bree and really get introduced to the brand as well as the Himalayan all at one shot and developed a friendship and a partnership with the brand. And for a street rider and a vintage road racer, Alaska and some of the interesting places that Jesse and Ken and Sylvia and the rest of the team went, you got to do that. Right on, right on. Yeah, you know, meeting Bree is like when they slingshot a satellite past a planet. <laughs> Like, she geez. does have a gravitational <laughs> she, she is. It's, it's like it kind of speeds you up and sends you off in a different direction too right it's awesome it's fantastic it's awesome how about ken my adventure riding experience is about as long as my motorcycling experience which is now almost two and a half years i started riding two and a half years ago and almost immediately ended up on a royal enfield himalayan after watching ironically enough a video that in some ways featured jesse kimball here and uh, was sold on the bike, bought it, and just went into trial by fire, started riding, you know, in the mountains by myself, up trails that I shouldn't have been on and would get stuck and get myself into trouble and turn around and go home and come back the next week and go a little further, a little further. And I ended up moving down to Southern California in January of 2020. I don't know why I was looking around for that. Yeah, I, I reached out on a board. Somebody said, hey, talk to this guy, Jesse. And I said, man, he looks really familiar. Started riding with them and the Flying Monkey Adventure Riders and the uh, weekday ride. Very quickly realized I knew nothing about riding and learned how to keep up a bit. And next thing I know, I've got Bree sending me emails saying, hey, do you want to go to Alaska? Which I was like, this is a joke. Someone's hacked an email account or something. This isn't happening. And yeah, now it's all it's all behind us and it's all super surreal. It's just absolutely incredible. But uh, yeah, I'd say two, two and a half years of adventure riding experience that uh, turned into kind of a lifestyle of sorts. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, once you get bit by the bike bug, it's, boy, it's a totally different world after that. Now, Jesse, I know that you had already done some riding, but you had helped to actually dream up the idea of this program in, in the first place. Is, is that correct? Well, really, it was Bree. Bree planted the seed and kind of allowed me to, to run with it and allowed this mm. trip to happen. I think if I kind of helped plan it with help of with Ken. Ken was actually a big help planning it too. You know, my background goes back to, you know, I rode dirt bikes as a kid. And then 2008, 2009, got really into like adventure bike riding, you know, probably watched all the same videos and movies that everybody else was watching at the time and found myself on a KLR 650 and progressed through a dozen other adventure bikes and, and fell in love with the Himalayan and met Bree and was fortunate enough to go to Alaska with this great group of people. Ended up somewhere near Saturn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No <laughs> kidding. No joke. All right, and Sylvia? So my background, I think, approximates Chris's a little bit. Is I think he says he felt like the newest guy in the group, but I think I was definitely the newbiest noob. I had ridden motorcycles off and on for, I don't know, 13 years or something before Alaska, but the Himalayan's my first adventure bike. I think I rode on like a couple of fire roads in Phoenix a couple of times, but I mean, nothing that could really approximate what we did in Alaska. I remember sitting up late watching kind of a marketing video out of India of the Himalayan cruising across the Himalayas. And that image really resonated with me. I really didn't have an interest in adventure bikes before seeing the Himalayan seemed like a really approachable bike. It was simple. It was, the cost was right. I loved the look of it. And I think the look of it is eventually what got me on the trip. I ended up modifying the bike quite a bit. It has a really kind of whimsical paint job. And I wanted something that inspired me to get outside. And it's definitely done that. And it's brought me into a really great group of people. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Bree, how did you kind of sew all this together? And also there's a couple people 
I mean, obviously there was a, a few more people that were on the trip that can't be here tonight. So when you were putting this whole thing together, I mean, you know, what were the main challenges? And also, how did you pick the crew? So I've always wanted to do a series for each product that we have that really just brings together people. And it's not about necessarily selling the motorcycle, but, you know, forging friendships and giving experiences that people can share and, and you know, and get inspired by. And Jesse has always been my, like, go-to Himalayan guy, along with Chris. And when I was thinking about it, I wanted, I didn't want the same group of people. I didn't want to use Instagram celebrities. I wanted to use people that were actually Himalayan owners and writers that, you know, even understood, like, at, at the very core, what the Himalayan offered and what it, what it's done for them just individually. And, you know, I wanted a mix between men and women. I wanted varying ages. And, you know, Jesse has always... Jesse used to drive me crazy before the Himalayan launched. He would blow me up all the time or if I didn't answer him back. I think he even wrote my old boss at one point. like, listen, I'm trying to do this and Brian's not answering me. And he kind of, he was like a really pesky wart. And now he's just like this thing that's like grown into like a, a wonderful friend. But I knew that when it came to planning and someone that would do it meticulously and make sure everything that I envisioned on this trip would happen would be Jesse. If he couldn't do it, he would find someone to help out with it. I knew that Jesse had to be a part of the trip. I think I texted Jesse and Chris in the same night, different texts, and I'm like, hey, you guys want to go to Alaska? <laughs> and that's pretty much how that happened. And then Sylvia has got an amazing background, and she just, she's very captivating, and Jesse was following her, you know, we creeping on her Instagram, and I loved, you know, just the way that she spoke about the motorcycle and her experiences, and, you know, it was great to be able to bring someone from the South, and I think she just fit everything we were looking for, and, you know, two of the people that aren't on the call right now, Sana, you know, is, I would call her a chopper girl, you know, she's, she's got tons of tattoos, she has a chopper, she rides a big other motorcycle that I'm not going to mention, the other brand, but she fell in love with the Himalayan, she took a slide school with Johnny Lewis at one point, and she She's like, oh my God. And she just went and purchased it. And I really like that all of everyone, Ken, Jesse, Sylvia, Chris, myself, Sana, Corey Duffel, none of us are alike, except for our love for our Himalayan and for riding. And I figured it would, it would create some really interesting conversations and excitement. And that's why I chose the group I did is I wanted to bring people from different demographics, different backgrounds and lifestyles. And I wanted a bit of drama. The only drama we really had was snack drama, which I will never forget. But it, not that I wanted drama, but I really wanted to see, you know, people having to adjust and like recalibrate because this person's different this riding style is different and i did not imagine that we'd still all be friends talking now and do we share texts or like when we're in the neighborhood well you know if i'm out in california obviously i hit jesse up or ken or it doesn't matter like we have now lifelong friendships because of this trip and that's i think the biggest takeaway for me and seeing like when we posted the video on youtube or when we had the group discussion after it is how many people were inspired and how many people just just like now maybe it's not Alaska but they want to do their epic ride and they want to have you know the experiences and they want to test their skills and ability now I think probably Chris will probably ride off-road any chance he gets so no question Bree and you got me all teary-eyed already again <laughs> I know that's really your shtick but... yeah I'm not crying tonight <laughs> <laughs> not yet give me time <laughs> and I don't want to I don't want to step on this conversation but Bree really did hit the most uh, I got my takeaways, I got my super stuff, but the most special thing about this is the people that you see on sharing the screen with me and the relationships that we all built with one another. And that's the power of motorcycling. That's the power of the super slingshot planetoid Brie Poland. So all the credit goes there. But that, as much as the riding and as much as the adventure, really, for me, that's what that's what motorcycling is. I mean, I love twisting the throttle, but it's the people of motorcycling that matter. Right on, right on. We have a question for the audience. Uh, are you all totally hooked on the ADV community after your Alaska adventure? Ken? 100%. It's Sylvia? It's yeah. the only form of riding as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I like riding the street, but yeah, being in the dirt, like I ride the pavement so I can get to places that are in the middle of nowhere and, and I have to ride 100 miles of dirt to get there. I'm doing it. So yeah, it's, it's definitely the way to be. Right on. That's awesome. And we also have a listener from Argentina. Hello to Argentina as well. Psycho on the road. 
She's amazing. I met her in Brazil a couple months ago, and her story is actually really cool. And Carl, that might be someone that you want to engage and talk to. She's a psychiatrist or psychologist, and she is going around Latin American countries and work, you know, and working with women. And she's doing it all through her motorcycle and everything. It's a long story. You've got to get her on and talk to her. She's a an amazing human being. That's totally cool. That's definitely something we'll put in the book on on, on for the follow up. All right, so you guys had this cool cool trip. You know, uh, Bree was thinking, man, this would be really cool to start a series about each kind of centered on each of the bike models. You know, you guys, and she said, okay, well, let's let's go to Alaska. Now, when everybody came together, you know, at least initially, right? I mean, how did everyone get along during the trip in terms of like how did it progress from like the beginning to to to, to the end of the trip? So my favorite part of all of that is I was the coordinator. So I didn't get to have like the ride experience. I was thrashing the RV. Thank you for Camper World or whatever for not throwing me in jail for what I did to that RV. So I got to watch from like an outsider point of view, watching their dynamics and watching things. And, you know, so Ken, who's, I can't believe he's being so quiet right now, but he was one that I think everyone had to adjust to. And then by the end, it clicked like we love him and we and appreciate what he brought to the table but it might have taken a little bit longer for some to appreciate the energetic ken very happy i had to yell at him a million times about how he rode but now i'm like i can't imagine that trip would have been even nearly as fun without ken so there are so many different dynamics working at least from me on the back end and and the producer chad osborne just watching it and just I guess they could talk to you about the experiences, but like the friendships, like Corey Duffel and Chris Steele, like never in a million years would have thought that happened. And now Corey sings Chris's praises. So it's, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> now, what was Corey's background again? He's a professional skateboarder out of Oakland. Uh, right on. Right on. Yeah. I had a brief chance to meet Corey also in California and he's no doubt a very colorful character. I wish, <laughs> that's, you know, certainly he could be here on the show now. So Ken, man, like, you know, why did, I mean, <laughs> is it just your, your kind of youthful boyish enthusiasm that everybody was just like, man, what's wrong with this guy? It's raining and cold out here. I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it was like, oh, this guy's so damn positive all the time. What's, what's going uh, on? <laughs> this has got to be a trap. <laughs> I have always been high on life and I can never shut up. So the great thing about being in this is I can hit the mute key and it just kind of forces me to be quiet and let everyone else talk. But I found motorcycling two years ago, and, and few people know this about me. I get bored of things extremely, extremely quickly. I go through hobbies, things, I just rapid fire. My mind never stops. I'm always just 100 million miles an hour. Motorcycling is probably the first thing in my life, apart from my wife, that I have not gotten bored of almost yet. the look on Bree's face right now when I said it. She's like, say what? <laughs> is it apart from my wife? I'm not bored of her, don't worry. I just... It never gets old. And the funny thing is, I mean, yeah, out here locally in Northern California, I have a set of local routes that I run nearly every weekend. And I would say weather permitting, but a lot of times I'm running it in the rain and the snow because I love these tracks and they never get boring to me because the traction always varies. Everything about it, like the scenery changes, even though it's the same places. And even if it doesn't, I can ride it a million times and I'm always growing. I'm always improving. I'm always learning new skills. So I, I just, I don't get bored of it. Even though I'm on, you know, a bike that makes 25 horse, 25 pounds of torque. Like I'm still growing into that motorcycle even two and a half years later, even though I've got a KLR 650, I've got other bikes that make more power that are, you know, faster and all these things. But the Himalayan is always a teaching tool and it's something I'm still learning from every day. And I, I mean, I love riding it. It's just, I just don't get bored of it. Yeah, right on, right on. Now, Jesse... I know that you were in kind of like a management role, right? Like, I think you were basically keeping a lot of the logistics, you know, sort of like together. So as you know, because you're not a new ADV writer, I'm sure kind of like Brie, you were kind of watching this chemistry evolve, you know what I mean? Over time. I mean, did you have any expectations going into it? Are you talking to me or Brie? No, Jesse. You, oh, Jesse. Yeah. oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you know, my expectation was just to go have a good time. You know, I wanted, I thought the whole idea of bringing this eclectic group of people together and, and bonding and just going out there and riding, my, I mean, my focus was I wanted to have a good time and I wanted everybody else there to have a good time. So during planning, putting the route together, everything, I was just trying to find something that wouldn't 
stress anybody out too much. I wanted to challenge, but I didn't want it overly challenging. You know, you don't want to be stuck in the mud and the rain for three or four hours trying to get through something. But I wanted some off-road, something challenging, something fun. And I just wanted everybody to have a good time. Well, I'm saying as far as watching the crew sort of get used to each other, you know, not really having known each other. Did you have any expectations or were you just kind of going in, just kind of being like, you know, this is going to be what it's going to be? I just going with the flow, going with the flow. Right on, man. Right on. Were you? I don't know. I want to say you're underselling yourself, Jesse. Yeah. And no one, Jesse gets along with everybody. So I knew that that's again, also one of the reasons why I chose him to be the ride leader and the coordinator is that I don't think there's a person on the planet besides me when I first met him that can speak poorly of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can't really imagine anyone not liking Jesse. And if someone didn't like Jesse, I can't imagine liking the person that didn't like Jesse. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know if that makes, does that make any sense? I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, sense or not. Well, that's cool. So, all right. So you guys are out there. You guys are all mashing it up. You know, people are getting used to things. I'm sure not even just from the riders, you know, from the six core riders. I'm sure even from the organizational, you're dealing with weather, moving bikes around. You know what I mean? It's got to be crazy. There's a lot of things going on. It's not, this is the first time for everybody doing this kind of project, right? So the first time always has a big learning curve. But, you know, out of all of these places and experiences, you know, what are some of the places of Alaska or some of the roads or some of the things that, you know, from each of your individual's perspective are something that, you know, you really think everyone should see? See or experience? (laughs) Every. See experience, both. However you want to answer it. Uh, I'm just going to throw McCarthy out there, then you guys can elaborate on it. But we took one rest day. So we stayed in McCarthy for two days. And like I said, I'll let you guys elaborate on it, but it was one of the most amazing places I've ever been. I had a few of my most memorable experiences in that town with the entire crew, with everybody. It just blew me away. Right on, right on. Sylvia, any favorite parts out there? I absolutely agree with Jesse on McCarthy. I think every aspect of that place felt like the end of the world in like the most magical ways. It's like, it took a 60 mile dirt road to get there. We had to cross a footbridge on motorcycles to get in. You couldn't drive a car into town. The people that ended up there are the exact types that you'd expect to end up with at the end of the world. I mean, just incredible humans that have a certain, I don't know if it's escapism, but they have a certain way of seeing the world that kind of draws you to them. And I think we were really happy to be in their presence and in that area. Something else that was really, really moving in McCarthy is a lot of us took a glacier flight while we were there. So we took a nice, yep, there we go. Took an airplane up, visited. I mean, just breathtaking is not even the word. Terrain. Got to see a bunch of Alaska that is kind of unseeable unless you see it by air. So I, I think, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Now you were or still are a pilot, right? Yep, I'm a professional and a hobby pilot. I just finished 12 years as a helicopter pilot, experimental test pilot in the Army. I still fly for fun. I race gliders. So it was kind of a really neat experience to share, kind of, or at least share with my friends and also like share with myself, integrate flying into this trip. I was hoping I'd be able to when I was thinking about this trip. And I'm glad there's a really neat airport in McCarthy to provide that service for us. That's cool. Do you see airplanes like old friends or little buddies when you see them sometimes? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a lot of people I do. You know, see an airplane be like, oh, man, that's a tiny plane. That's scary. But, you know, but like the private pilots, it's like, that's a cool Piper Cub. Absolutely. You, you know what I mean? Yep. I, no, I, I have relationships with aircraft just like I do with motorcycles. They all have their own quirks and personalities and appeal and, you know, the things they do great and the things they don't do so well. But I love them both the same. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, that would be another great topic which is riders who fly flyers who ride i think that there you know that there's some there's some gray areas in the personality of the communities that would be fun to explore and just get you know like a bunch of guests on i think it would be a lot of fun you know that I mean? sounds great there's definitely some parallels yeah yeah totally for sure for sure all right uh chris what do you think no question for me like i that rest day was the my most epic motorcycling day period which rest I mean, day yeah, well, it wasn't that that day in McCarthy, that extra oh, the day, day the one okay. where we actually stayed two nights, where we stayed in these nifty little cabins, you know, a little bit off, you know, out of town with a dirt track 
that we could sneak up, you know, to the to the mine with. And, you know, and then I got a great opportunity. The, the one thing that I felt like I wanted to do on this trip was really, really push myself on the adventure side of this whole thing. And I took every opportunity to ride with Ken and Jesse, you know, and Johnny Lewis when he was out there. So if there was, if these guys were going off road, I was going. And let's just say I was, I, you know, I went and did a mine tour up there, which was really interesting with this massive mine under reconstruction renovation with the park service. And a bunch of folks went and did the flying trip and they all came back from the flying trip and said, boy, if there's another flight, get your ass on. And boy, am I glad I did because that was spectacular, just as Sylvia described and as the little chunk of the video shows. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And then at about 8.30 that evening, Ken and Jesse and, and Johnny Lewis and I went and rode up one of the mountains above that mine for hours. And that was, that was the most challenging, difficult, interesting, and special in every way riding I'd ever done. Wow. Well, cause I got up there and couldn't, I was emotionally overcome with a, my ability to having to have done it, B having had the opportunity to do it. Thank you, Bree. And see, I'm just a mountains guy. And so I was in my happy place and I got it, made a couple of teary ass videos while I was up there, just pointing my phone around. I was so mad at myself that I didn't have my helmet cam on so that I could have captured the ride up. It was, it was as epic as anything I've done. And, you know, thankfully I'd had one big downhill adventure with the team previously and somebody taught me how to use the front brake going downhill in stone so i only kind of tipped over once not bad not bad yeah and cool. and so yes go to mccarthy go to wrangle st elias if you bother to go to alaska if you skip that you miss the best part wow okay that's cool you know you said something about being a mountain man and i kind of understand that 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 feeling you know i remember one time i was i was on a panel at, at one of the at, you know, at one of these expos and, uh, you know, people were talking about what you get out of the experiences. And I said, well, sometimes these things talk to you like the mountains and the, and, and the hills and the seas and the lakes and they, they can talk to you. And there was one guy in the audience who thought I was just full of crap. And then there was like three women who basically told him to shut up. <laughs> it was like, you know what I mean? Like, like everybody's, you know, touched differently by that stuff. You know what I mean? Like some people couldn't, I don't want to say they couldn't care less about landscape, you know, I mean, if they see a nice sunset or, or they see this amazing mountain range, but there's just something about the power of those young mountains coming out of the ground. Uh, and when it's quiet, right. And you have a moment to let yourself expand into it. There is a kind of connection there and it might be a form of religion or something, but I mean, it's special and it's cool that you love it, man. I'm all for it. That's cool. So I was reading the questions in the chat box and someone, my friend from Argentina said, what was the biggest psychological challenge you all went through? I want to hear this. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. Where do you want to start, Brie? You want to start with yourself? Nope. Because I didn't have, like for me, even though I had some amazing experiences, it wasn't the same because I think I rode a total of 120 miles out of 2,400 or something. So I want to hear from well, Sylvia first. It was a lot of work for you and, you know, and there was a lot of things going on around you and it must have had an impact on you as well. It made me appreciate real friendships and solid experiences a lot more. Like instead of me, because I'm always traveling, I'm always going so fast and not being able to like sit there like me driving and just watching them experience all this stuff on two wheels but also like me having i'm a landscape person i'm a i'm also someone that always wants to see people happy so when they would smile and they get off the bike it would make my heart like just explode or when if someone was having a moment and that would be i'd be like what can i do to fix that moment in my head or do i need to let them fix that moment because that's the experience that they need to be having so for me it was always just so i don't know like for me it was just it was gratifying to see that everyone made it through that we forged some really great friendships and that you know they're willing to get on here and talk about it so obviously this trip meant something to them enough to be able to still to this day talk about everything that's happened and then keep the friendships that we made right on right on sylvia how about you 
biggest psychological challenge that you guys had to overcome during the trip or that you had to overcome during the trip? So I kind of felt like I had two different areas of the psychological challenge. The first kind of touches on what Chris said, and there was definitely a little bit of growth just from being a new ADB writer. I'm a test pilot by profession, so a lot of it was kind of really getting to know the bike and knowing where I could trust it, where its limits were, where my limits were, which were usually the limiting factor. That was kind of one one part of it that I think everyone can relate to. The other was more of a kind of a social, it wasn't a challenge, but it was, it was kind of the background churn I had going in my own mind, leaving the army. I've been in army aviation for 12 years. It's kind of defined the last 12 years of my life. And I think a month or two after the trip was when I was set to separate from the army. So I've spent a ton of time around aviators. So it was, it really meant a lot to me that I could be, you know, injected in this group of motorcycle riders and feel just at home riding motorcycles as I do flying aircraft and feel just as kind of accepted in this new group. And I've kind of experienced that with anytime I interact with someone either from Royal Enfield or in the adventure community. And that's kind of going back to the, uh, one of the questions that came from social, the ADB community has definitely captivated me in, in more ways than one. And that really the social aspect has been, has been it. Right on. Awesome. Ken. Yeah, I think kind of much to what uh, Sylvia said. So I'm contrary to popular belief. I'm a really socially awkward person and I'm really not abundantly comfortable being thrust into social situations. So knowing that I was going on this trip with uh, largely a bunch of people that I didn't know or, or barely knew, at least with regard to Jesse and Bree, kind of scary, you know, so getting over that hurdle and, you know, quickly learning to kind of be myself around all these people, which, which at times is, but yeah, that just being kind of thrust in that situation, learning how to work with other people and everyone's different, right? You're, you're, and that's kind of the, the whole point of this is everyone has a different personality. We all come from completely different backgrounds. And by the end of it, you know, being close with everyone, regardless of where you come from and what you do on a, on a day to day. I mean, and, and huge shout out to, you know, like as, as kind of Bree mentioned earlier, Chad Osborne and uh, Ryan Alston and Jen Yuki, they're, they're not here, but fantastic people all completely different part of our awesome camera team. And I mean, riding with Sylvia, who actually got seen right there, where Sylvia <laughs> is, is learning how to ride and going to the creek crossing and, and you know, going into a tank slapper and, and we're all sitting there laughing and, and just having a great time making, I mean, truly lifelong friends. It was big for me at first and then very quickly within two or three days, you know, I'm just, I'm right at home with everybody. It's, it's so it wasn't as big of a, an undertaking as I initially thought it would be, but yeah, it, it definitely was scary at first. But it is weird, though. It's kind of like joining the crew of a ship, you know, for a, for a short period of time. You guys are going to be very close to each other and needing to rely on each other. You know what I mean? For, yeah, and you don't you know, have things. any choice to, you know, take an alternate route. You have to endure it, you know, and... and Right. Obviously, going into it, I'm talking to Jesse, and I'm like, okay, we buckmates. And, and almost the entire time, I ended up being buckmates with Chris, and I wouldn't have changed it for anything. Like, that man is one of the funniest people I've ever met. You Genuinely. turned my head, Ken. You turned my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, I mean, we had a great time, really. I just So many things were said that, like, are not necessarily repeatable, <laughs> but uh, but really just... Constant ear to ear smiling and laughing, and the whole trip was that. It was just whether it was, I mean, we were sitting and talking about McCarthy earlier being pretty much the pinnacle of our trip. And I remember being in McCarthy and watching our Johnny Lewis and Chad Osborne play a game of what they called, I guess, foot down, where they're smashing into each other on these droid little BMX bikes that were there for anyone to ride and trying to force everything about the trip was hilarity and camaraderie and friendship. It was really just an awesome experience. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome how that happens when you get away from things? You know, like you get into a part of the world that, you know, you know, uh, who's it? one of my favorite philosophers, Friedrich Nietzsche, to paraphrase him, he said, the reason why people love the trees or the forest so much is because the trees have no opinions about them. You know what I mean? When you get out enough and you don't have all the pressures of the constant society that go on with her, you know, and it's not necessarily bad, but there's still pressures that could be family, friend, work, you know, anything like that when you're in a place where those things you know aren't as great 
people open up. It's almost like they evolve into a different version of themselves. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes any sense or not. Uh, Chris, what do you think? One of the best things about this trip for me, about the riding of this trip, I was thrilled to be on the motorcycle all the time I was on the motorcycle because it didn't matter where the thing was pointed. There was a vista. There was this beauty. And I was doing it with people who gave a crap. It was just, and I felt incredibly fortunate and blessed to have somehow made it on this tiny little list of six people. How the hell did I get here? But here I am. Granted, Bree told my wife about this trip before she told me. I basically asked her, is it okay if I take your husband with me for two and a half weeks? Yeah. yeah. And, and then I get the text from Bree and I'm like, Alaska, gee, what a wonderful place, blah, blah, blah. And she didn't say, do you want to go ride the Himalayan Alaska? She said, what do you think about Alaska? And I'm like, I think, I think that's a great place. And then she tells me a little bit, well, we're going to do the trip. Blah, blah. And then she said, by the way, your wife said she'd kill you if you didn't say yes. So we do. So we got clearance from the tower first. Dude, well, if, you, if, you, if you knew Chris's wife. Listen, my wife should be on the call, really, because for my neighbors who were here on the 4th of July, after I, I arrived back in Milwaukee from the trip at about 1 a.m. on the 4th of July. And. The 4th of July, number one, that's my day drinking. And I've been on the road with some new friends. I was helping them understand the Wisconsin way. It's Wisconsin. We drink. Mm -hmm. You notice. And that's my day drinking day. And I show up. I get home. I hit the pillow. My wife goes to the park with my neighbor and sets up our stuff in the park for 4th of July. And then the neighbors start coming over about 9 a.m. And we start drinking and I start crying because every time somebody wanted to talk about Alaska, where I'd been eight hours earlier, I was like, so it's like, what are you going to tell people? It's the place. It's the epic adventure. We just went motorcycling. We just did it in the coolest ass with the most wonderful people. You got to do this. Go to Alaska. Go to McCarthy, go to Wrangell St. Elias. And if you can figure out how to get Bree to just bring you into that circle and slingshot you around, you're going to be the most fortunate human ever. Awesome. Awesome. You know, that kind of rolls us into another, I guess, couple questions. You know, one is, is like, did you have any moments that you didn't believe that you could get through? either emotionally or physically. You know what I'm saying? I want to hear Sylvia answer this one. Yeah. So, yes and no. Uh, Early on in the trip, I think it was day two or three, there was a pretty steep descent. I did a partial descent. I ended up stopping like just short of the beach. And you guys can remind me where exactly that was. Homer Peninsula. Homer, East End Road. Yeah. I was lacking a few key nuggets of information, mainly use of front brake on a descent (laughs) that I think if, I mean, certainly if I had attempted that descent three days later, it would have been fine. But that was kind of a a personal decision because I kind of felt myself at my limit just using the rear brake on the descent and didn't have the knowledge to proceed. But having said that, at no point did I ever feel like I couldn't make it because from the beginning, I felt very included. Um, I felt very comfortable with the entire group, very supported, whether it was, you know, someone sharing in a, in a view like Chris or someone giving me technical advice like Jesse or Ken. There were so many different perspectives to draw from that I never felt like anything was insurmountable. Right on, right on. And that's why it's nice to ride with people sometimes, you know, like, especially if it's your, if it's your first run going through something. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Jesse, what do you think? I mean, you have a little more experience, but, you know, yeah, you're I'm, still I'm, carrying a fair weight on this. Yeah. And this kind of ties in even with the with your last question. You know, for the writing, the writing for me wasn't extremely challenging. There wasn't like a portion of the ride, but I had like the logistical pressures on me. So the whole time being, you know, whether you're 
call me a road captain or ride leader or whatever, but kind of being in charge of making sure that this is a good route and everybody's having a good time. I had a little bit of that pressure and 95% of what I had planned went really well. And, and there was one challenging day where I kind of got off task a little bit with my responsibilities and we actually had some of our party was upset and that kind of brought me back down to, you know, to where I needed to be, helped me focus on, you know, kind of reorganizing and refocusing on, on my role on this ride. And I don't know where I'm going with this, but, you know, like the, the psychological aspect, you know, that, that was one of those things that kind of messed with me a little bit and was challenging for me. So not so much the ride, but just the ride, you know, making sure everybody else had a good ride. I mean, everybody was following me and we all know when we're, we're organizing a ride or when I'm organizing a ride, typically I've ridden the route. I know where I'm going before I take everybody out there. I had never been to Alaska, so I'm putting a route together and I got this pressure of, well, I got the pressure of, I got to make Brie happy. <laughs> I want to make sure she's happy and I want to make sure everybody else is happy. So it, it worked out really well. I managed to talk six of us out of getting probably a, a traffic fine for riding down the shoulder once. I talked probably myself out of getting beat up by some road workers at another point. We actually, this is kind of a funny story, <laughs> off topic. We all went riding through a construction zone. So it's like they have all the traffic stopped five miles down the road here. And they got all the traffic stopped a couple of miles down the road here. And we're just riding down the road where they're repaving. And had one of the construction workers use, I don't know how many bad words that I can't repeat. Probably even more than me. Yes, more than Chris. Oh, directed at me. <laughs> and I actually managed to calm him down to the point that he's like, okay, well, why don't you guys just follow me and I'll, I'll take you to where you want to go. You know, so all traffic is stopped and this road worker has us following him through this traffic zone. You guys weren't riding on fresh asphalt, right? I did. No. Oh, I hate he that. definitely did. <laughs> I did that once in Xinjiang, and yeah, it was not it was not cool. They did not appreciate it because they have to oh. fix it. So you know what this guy what was coming out of this guy's yeah. mouth? Yeah, but he ended up guiding us <laughs> a few miles down through the construction zone as we waved by everybody else stuck in traffic. That's cool. He just busted out the Kimball charm. Totally left me and the RB crew just sitting in the back. <laughs> we could not do what they did. Maybe why we broke off a mirror. I don't know. Maybe why we broke off a mirror. So that was a big, long, rambling I, answer I don't to know. whatever the question well, All good, all good. I, I, lo I love what Jesse was just talking about, about talking his way down. Even Ken was talking about his own chatty nature. And, you know, Ken has been incredibly judicious with the mute button tonight. <laughs> as the man who roomed with him most nights i assure you he has been incredibly judicious with the button tonight you know ken and jesse and johnny and i were up on the side of that mountain outside of mccarthy for a long time we're riding down the mountain at 11 30 at night granted it's not really Daylight. dark it's kind of dusky and ken being the good human he is watching out for the noob me and we're putting down the mountain because I'm trying to figure out the front brake in this rocky stuff. And we got stopped by a person halfway down the mountain, standing in the track, really unhappy. And the charmer came out of Ken Morse. Ooh. And we took the abuse and took the abuse and Ken just heard it. And by the time we were riding away, not that we weren't going to ride away anyway, eventually, she was like, thanks for listening. <laughs> I think I offered to buy her lunch too, which is all the better. <laughs> that doesn't hurt. He no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. She Meanwhile, I was sitting there with this in my tire. <laughs> Oh, would you grab a nail or a... Uh, yeah, my very first flat ever on a motorcycle. So I, I made sure to keep the nail. And uh, oh, right on. we got like 100 foot down. And I'm like, man, the rear of my bike feels really strange. So no good deed goes unpunished, I guess. 
Yeah, well, that happens. And then I rode that flat all the way back to town. Oh, wow. I've had to do that on a pavement before. It's not it's not fun at all. It's was it front or rear? And thankfully, it was a rear, but it just feels like you're I mean, you you know, it feels like you're riding sand. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. So kind of going into all this, and I guess we'll just keep this focused on Sylvia, Chris and Ken, you know, like, how do you think you changed? because of the experience now that you know you're you're back and you're back to normal life i know chris chris talked about that kind of i don't want to say it's like a culture shock but it's like when you have these experiences you can't even really wrap your head around it yourself and you're sitting there people are asking you about it and stuff and it's just like how do i how do i even you know explain this to people you know there's no there's no frame of reference for them to understand you know what i mean but sylvia you know i mean how do you think you changed because of this experience so you've touched on this a couple of times, Carl, and I've in the past really tended to be a solo writer. It's kind of been my way to get away, to have a little bit of that like guided meditation that motorcycles can offer. But I feel that riding with a group in many ways can be transformative. As a beginner, riding with a group is, I mean, you just, you learn something from everyone, whether they're less or more experienced than you. I remember we were bombing down some trail archangel pass way 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 faster than i would have ever done it alone and it was totally fine but it's small experiences like that where you learn where you can push where you should not push i think i'm definitely going to be a little bit more driven to kind of seek out group writing i've already kind of scheduled some adventure writing classes uh, in january so i you know i kind of acknowledge that some formal training would be beneficial since I haven't established myself with a writing group here yet. But that's that's kind of been the more pragmatic way that I've changed as a result of this and just how I approach my own writing. Right on, right on. Chris? You know, I was talking about that 4th of July day and my emotional, I found myself more, even, I guess I want to say even more emotionally connected to motorcycling and the community of motorcycling. You know, as as epic and wonderful as the ride and the the time in Alaska was with Sylvia and Jesse and Ken and the rest of the team, gosh, the opportunity to get back together for the premiere of that video was humbling, emotional, and really drives the piece of this that's most important to me which is the community of motorcycling. So I wouldn't know, I wouldn't, it just reinforced what I value the most. It's not, man, I love to ride. And, you know, Bree knows more than anybody on this call that I'll just get on the bike and, you know, drive 35 miles and buy a hunk of cheese just because it's an excuse to get on the motorbike, right? But it's a hell of a lot more fun with people when you get to share the view, the vista, the corner, the gravel, the sand, the water crossing, whatever it might be that allows you to make a connection. And so it is the people, it is the group, it is that opportunity to connect. And at the same time, you know, when you're actually riding, unless you've got your buddy chatting in your ear on your Senna or what have you, you're in your own space. And I'm going to suggest that the reason that Ken hasn't gotten bored of motorcycling is because he gets, he has to check out from everything else. I know I do. Hmm. And that's part of the value and the appreciation that I have about being on the bike, being in the space. I get to be with myself in a very positive way instead of perhaps the way I am when I close my eyes at night and think about whatever I didn't accomplish in a day. Right on, man. There was a, there was an email signature from a guy that was in one of the group listservs I was in a long time ago. I think he was a part of the Christian Rider Association too. But, uh, but he said it was like, uh, I would rather be on my bike thinking about God than uh, being in church thinking about my bike, <laughs> which, which I thought was like kind of poignant. Uh, I don't know if everyone would agree with that, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, but that's something that I read once and it kind of stuck with me and it doesn't necessarily even, even have to have, you know, an application towards a specific religion, but it's that helmet temple, you know what I mean? Where you can kind of get in there, you're alone. You're also kind of ambiguous. Nobody knows who you are. 
You know what I mean? You're just kind of bopping down the road. Ken? Yeah, I think, uh, uh, where do I start? You know, going into the whole thing, it was funny. Uh, I remember getting kind of a brief from Jesse on, on all the uh, various characters that were going to be on the trip, kind of learning about them and their various backgrounds. And, and I remember one of my first thoughts was, okay, where do I fit into all this? Because I'm like, I'm, I'm the nobody from Louisiana who's just started riding a motorcycle. But going into that, and you know, there's something inherently primal about going into an adventure scenario with a lot of new people that you've never met before that kind of force you to, to rely on your instincts. Koba. You know, uh, learning how to productively work with people from entirely different backgrounds and respect them for who they are, even though it might be something entirely different than what you're accustomed to or what you even appreciate. That was it for me. It was the relationships you build. I'm very much echoing the same thing Chris said. You quickly realize when left to nothing more than the elements and just the few pieces of whatever it is that makes what we are, you will bond with almost anybody. I mean, it's, it's like a survival thing. It, I, you know, I grew up in New Orleans and I watched the same thing happen after Hurricane Katrina. People came from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, and everyone came together just to kind of help rebuild. And it was the same thing. It's not like we were on these massively difficult tracks, you know, I mean, stuff that uh, riding with Jesse and the riding that I do, it was all kind of par for the course. But I know for a number of the riders that were with us, they had no experience. I mean, Chris and Sylvia are fine examples of that. They, they hadn't spent time in the dirt and, and, and in rocks and going through water crossings. So for them, it was this huge upheaval of, of oh my God, like, what am I going to do? So, you know, being there for them, helping them, kind of being for your, how, how do I say, working with your fellow man or woman. It was just, everything about it was incredible. But I think it, it helped me become a little more patient with myself be a little more appreciative of myself uh, and who I am. And it helped me, I think, learn how to work with others a little better because I know I have some bad habits with uh, with, with talking too much and throwing my will around. Yeah, I, I see the looks. <laughs> I was, I was going to say your worst habit is bike dancing. You know, uh, okay, so I, I'm just – see, that's another oh. thing we talk about. <laughs> you you weren't on a Senna with them the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll take bike dancing any day. No, <laughs> I, <laughs> you will because it wasn't your bike he was dancing on. That's true. It also wasn't wasn't his bike that I rolled over a large rock right in front of you on <laughs> at the end of the Denali Highway. That was that was an uncomfortable moment, but uh, but we got through it. And, uh, you know, it, everything about it was just awesome. Everyone was incredible. I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. The worst part of the entire trip was the flight home and realizing this absolutely incredible thing that I will remember for the entirety of my life. I mean, I'll, I'll be a little old man talking about the time that Free Poland brought me to Alaska to ride motorcycles. So the end of that is just like, oh man, it really is. Well, you know, well, you know, and this is true for everyone, all of us, no matter how much we ride, the sun has not yet set. There was still plenty of time to ride in more places, you know? I would think it'd be awesome for Chris to go check out the real Himalayans, for everyone to go check out the real Himalayans. That's their next trip. Uh, that would be awesome. Keep talking. Well, that's six. What? Right. Keep talking. I already, <laughs> I talked to you guys about it. I said, that's where Epic Rides Alaska reunion is gonna be, is the Himalayas. Ooh, well, that's cool. So, you know, <laughs> this is gonna seg us back into, you know, some other stuff. I feel it's not fair to talk about this kind of cool video Without giving at least a quick mention, Bree, if you could drop some names of the two ladies that helped, you know, like record this thing and then actually put it together. It'd be cool to get them out there. It's two men. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. For some reason, I thought it was the same ones that we are met. You at, sure you uh, die? Are you sure you haven't met these guys? <laughs> over in California. He's met them multiple times because they're the one who filmed them at the original Himalayan launch in Texas. Crew. Okay. So it's Chad Osborne and Ryan Olson and uh, it's oh, Osborne okay. Media, but all the content, I would say not all of it, but 90% of the content we create or produce here in North America is done by him. He actually just left this morning. Uh, he was with me for the last three days because we uh, just did our dealer meeting, our virtual dealer meeting, which was, to me, it was a harder production than the Alaska thing. And he said, nope, Alaska was much harder. But watching what we had to pull together, oh my gosh, it was crazy. But it's uh, Chaz Os Chad Osborne and Ryan Olson. 
Right on, right on. But yeah, for some reason, I, I had it mixed up with the, with the two ladies that we met in California. That uh, Alyssa, for some reason, I thought they did it. Alyssa, she races BTR for us, and she's the one who put together the short clips for you. And there's that book that Ryan uh, took some iPhone photos, and he made us all books. Oh, yeah. Very oh, cool. look at the photo in the back. It's Ken on the, on, yeah, there we go. Ken's. Ken is drooling out, staring at some major boobage yep. on, on, on the ceiling. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. So so there was a comment, you know, like in the chat line, which was basically, it was like, that video was short. You know, like, I think people want to see more. And that was kind of my reaction. Is there, is there any, I mean, do you have enough footage to, to put together like a mini series? Or is it like, this first one was just kind of a trial and maybe further down the road might try to expand it? So we have two weeks of footage, but it's being able to piece together stories. So one of the things that Chad and I've talked about is doing an episode on each writer. So doing a Sylvia episode, doing a Jesse episode. Definitely need like five episodes for Ken, because we have a lot of Ken content and kind of put it together that way. This was the first time we've ever done Epic Rides, so we weren't sure what we are gonna get out of it, what direction we would end up being able to take. We do know that for the next one, we're actually changing the, the dynamic for the meteor and kind of who or what I've decided to do with that, but it was based off of having the Epic Rides in Alaska and taking some learnings from that. We also realized that for six people, you need a lot more shooters, a lot more cameras available to be able to capture more of what's going on. So we've definitely made some changes and adjustments to the future, but we do, at the end of the day, yes, it's Royal Enfield footage, but you also want your director of photography to feel confident in what they're putting out there. So we've had a crazy time. Obviously, we had the Himalayan launch after that. We've also had a, a couple other things. We had the close of the BTR season. So Chad's been on it, on it, on it. And then he just left, obviously, from doing the dealer meeting with me. So when things calm down a little bit, we're going to regroup. We're going to go through the footage. We're going to figure out if we can do episodes on each one. I probably say we have enough for like 50 Ken episodes, but everybody else, you know, is it going to be compelling? Is it going to be able to tell their story and their adventure? So there's a lot. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it sounds like there is, you know, a whole lot of potential for this whole thing moving forward. Yeah. And I think uh, it would be awesome for you, for, for you guys to, you know, totally leave the shores and see a totally different place where you can't speak the language and the whole deal. I mean, that's, woo! that's, a, <laughs> that's a, that's a next, that's some next level stuff. And if you get the place like the Himalayans, it's, it's so that is, so it is. So Epic Rides Alaska reunion will be in the Himalayas. Now, obviously cool. that's very COVID dependent. So it might be three years from now. I want it to be this August, but if COVID's still raging like a crazy person, then I'm not going to put them in a situation where they have to be on a plane for 14 hours and risk any of their health. So yeah. The intention is this August for them to be over there or July, whenever it is. But yeah. Cool. Well, I'm sure we'll all stay kind of posted on that. Me especially. I, I, would, I would love to see how that goes. Because I love it when people have these awesome formative experiences. But, you know, the further outside of your comfort boundaries that you step, the wilder the transformation and the harder the, the challenges. And it isn't necessarily always the writing that's a challenge, but it's the personal politics. You know, I don't mean like political politics, but, you know, dealing with people, dealing with situations, not being able to communicate weird foods, weird smells, weird customs and stuff like that. It's a whole new dimension. And I really, really look forward to that. So, all right, guys, this has been awesome talk, but we've kind of gone on a little bit long. So last question, uh, any words of advice you'd like to give any new adventure riders out there? Do yeah, it. that's, you know, that's pretty now, straightforward. The best decision you'll ever make if you're on the fence about buying a motorcycle, I can tell you as someone who did it two and a half years ago. You'll kick yourself for not doing it sooner. Right on, right on. Chris, what you got? I'm a guy that bought his first motorcycle on Father's Day, the day after his 40th birthday from a grocery store with my credit card, for God's sake. So if I can do this, you can do this. And by the way, it's okay to use the front brake going downhill on your ADV bike. Very cool. Very In cool. Fact, very cool. it's recommended. Recommended. Recommend it. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Just get the bike and ride regularly. You know, you just get out there and ride. You're going to improve. The more you ride, the more you're going to improve. Find a good group of guys to ride with locally and just go. Plan your next adventure and just go. Yeah, right on. Sylvia? Yeah, I'll keep, keep pulling the thread that I think is kind of, um, that we've been discussing this whole time is just to find your community. Find the people that, you know, resonate with you, that you know, have your growth in mind that push you out of your comfort zone and you know, experience these these wild 
formative experiences with you. It's so much better with a friend. I definitely never expected to step away from this trip with so many close friends. And that's what sticks with me. Awesome. Well, Taylor, guys, it's been super great having you on. You know, I think we should do a follow-up show after after the reunion. I think that would be awesome. I think that would be awesome. Uh, and just kind of do like a, like a before and after. You know, it actually would have been cool to do before and after even before this. But I think now, now that we've kind of gotten into it, you know, that would be a lot of fun. Well, all right, guys, please. Uh, hang around for a few minutes. We will we will kind of uh, you know catch up after the show, um, you know. But uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks again. Well, again, super appreciative for Bree, Jesse, Ken, Sylvia, and Chris for coming on the show tonight and sharing their experiences. Although they come from different backgrounds, interests, and places, their story perhaps goes to show the most powerful and important aspect of the ADV world, and that is the friends we make both at home and on the road. The adventure riding community, I mean, a lot of us as riders have been, you know, we've been sport touring riders, sport bike riders, road riders, off-road motocross riders, trail riders, but uh, the adventure community, at least I feel, is a real special one, and I hope that anybody that rides has an opportunity to uh, try out what I believe is one of the most versatile and awesome types of vehicles on the planet. But the impact that this has had on so many lives can never be over, overstated or underestimated. And often, I believe that some of us thrive off of finding new, genuine connections in the world, even if that's only for a short while. And as Robert Louis Stevenson once said, we are all travelers in the wilderness of this world, and the best we can find in our travel is an honest friend.